If you have your Bibles today, you can open them up to Matthew chapter 6. And uh, we're going to spend not just the majority of today in Matthew chapter 6, but we're going to spend an extensive amount of time this entire summer in Matthew chapter 6. Uh, those of you who are tuning in online, I just want to say thank you so much for being a part of this community whenever, wherever you are. It just means the world that you be faithful to tune in and, and be a part of what God is doing and building here. We know there's reasons and seasons to be online, and summer seems to heighten those reasons and seasons, uh, but so grateful that you be a part of our online community. Uh, Matthew chapter 6 is where we're going to start this brand new series today, and the series is going to be titled Pray Like This. Words that Jesus uttered to, to uh, his followers, to his disciples, and words that Jesus uttered on his famous Sermon on the Mount to a multitude of people. He says, uh, we're, we're going to talk about prayer, and he utters the words, pray like this. And then he goes into what, uh, if you've grown up in the church world, what you may know as the Lord's Prayer. Uh, he recites, he's like, I want you to pray like this, and gives us the Lord's Prayer. And it's found here in, in Matthew chapter 6. Another time Jesus teaches on it in, Matthew, or in uh, Luke chapter 11. We'll refer to it just for a moment today. Uh, but it's what we know as the Lord's Prayer. Maybe a very common, well-known prayer. And this summer, we're going to walk through it line by line, word by word, and learn this prayer, what Jesus said, to pray like this. Uh, we're going to read through Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13, uh, which is the Lord's Prayer. Prayer. I'm going to ask you if you're willing and able, would you stand with me? We're going to read this together. Uh, on the screen, we're going to have the King James Version. We're kicking it old school because uh, as I was reading through all the different translations, and uh, if, if you grew up in any, any uh, type of, of a family that memorized the Lord's Prayer or parts of the Lord's Prayer, most likely it was the King James Version. Like you can read the other ones, and uh, I generally read other translations of the Bible, uh, but this like, it doesn't sound right if it's not the King James that we all memorized as kids. So we'll study and talk about different translations, but as we read it together, uh, we're gonna read the King James Version, and whatever Bible you with you. We'll follow along in that and use other translations throughout the series. Uh, but would you read this out loud with me? Here we go. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. You can take a seat. Casey, you were on it. We didn't even have an awkward pause between slides. Well done. I want to take just a quick moment, and we may talk about this more later in the series, but I want to take a quick moment right now to, uh, to reference the, the doxology, which is the last phrase that was just used uh, that, that says, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. I want to make a quick note of this because uh, if you look in some of your Bibles, most modern translations don't include that phrase. Most modern translations, there's a footnote that explains what I'm about to explain to you. Uh, some of the most uh, original, uh, oldest manuscripts of the New Testament, of the Gospels, the oldest ones don't include that phrase. Uh, very early in church history, though, as they were handwriting more uh, documents, more copies of the Gospels, this phrase got added. So sometimes there's the question of, well, is this inspired scripture? Is this not? So a lot of modern translations, now that this has been discovered, even though it's in the King James, a lot of them will just put a footnote and say, this wasn't in the earliest, but then it was pretty quickly. Uh, so then 
then I think that poses the question, well, is this scripture? Is this Bible or is this not? I think the answer is um, yes and no. The no is it wasn't in the most original, oldest texts. But why it can be yes is this is a direct quote out of um, a, a prayer of David in Chronicle, 1 Chronicles chapter 29. David is praying, and in his prayer, he uses this phrase. And the Jewish community, from that time on, as they were reading, they, they knew the prayers of David, they would add this doxology to like all of their prayers. Whenever they prayed, they wouldn't just say amen. They would say, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever, amen. That was how they would finish all of their prayers. So whatever prayer was being prayed, it always concluded with that. This was tradition. And so as they were learning the Lord's Prayer, it was natural for them to also add what is scripture, what is inspired by God, which was from this this. Uh, prayer of David, they would add what is scripture to this place, even though it wasn't originally stated there. So I just want to make this clear because there are some communities of faith and, and, and the Catholic community does not include the doxology in the Lord's Prayer. Some Protestants uh, do include it. I just want to let you know wherever you land on it, it wasn't in the oldest documented uh, uh, writings of the Lord's Prayer, but it is scripture. It's from scripture that's older than the Gospels. So how you want to handle that, we can talk about it more maybe later in the series, but I just want to make that note because if you're reading in your Bible, this footnote, is this Bible, is this not Bible, it comes from a prayer of David that the early church added to the Lord's Prayer. And so it is from Scripture, uh, but it's not in those earliest uh, documents of the Gospels. Uh, This morning, we're going to take our time today to define prayer and we're going to set the stage for diving into the Lord's Prayer. Next week, we're going to start with actually our Father, uh, which art in heaven. We're going to start digging into that. Today, we're going to set the stage. And we're going to set the stage of even what Jesus says. Before he says, pray like this, he actually gives us a couple examples of don't pray like this. So today, we're going to like set the stage. What is prayer? How does Jesus walk us into this moment of how we ought to pray? And then we'll spend the rest of the summer digging into how we ought to pray. Uh, I'm really looking forward to this series. I think it's going to be uh, important. I think it's going to be, uh, uh, we're going to see a lot of growth in our own church through this series. Uh, I'm excited because I believe there's many people who uh, have faith in God. You consider yourselves Christians, followers of Jesus, and yet don't have much of a prayer life. And some of the reason is, well, I don't really know how. I'm kind of confused by it. What is it accomplishing? Is there a proper way to do it? Am I doing it wrong? Uh, Sometimes I don't know what's even happening or what should I be looking for as a response or a byproduct of prayer. I think that prayer can sometimes be difficult to know how to engage with it because uh, we may have a lot of questions about it or how to pray. I would say uh, generally, believers in Jesus would all acknowledge that prayer is an important aspect of our faith. Like it's important uh, for our relationship with the Lord to have a prayer life. Yet at the same time, very few believers would say that they feel like they're proficient in their prayer life. In fact, I, I would just propose to you today, like how would you respond if somebody asked you to tell me about your prayer life? Or how's your prayer life going? Some of us don't even know what that really means. Some of us, uh, probably most of us would respond with like, well, this is what it is, but I don't know if this is a good answer. I don't know if I feel comfortable. I feel a little inadequate. In fact, I think it would be rare if someone responded to how's your prayer life with like, uh, kind of killing it lately. Um, in fact, it's a little too powerful. Pray a little too much. I kind of need to dial it back a little. I'm getting crazy in the whole prayer department. Uh, no one responds that way. All of us are a little like, well, it exists, kind of, I think, but I don't know if it's good or not. I, I, I sense that it could be more fruitful. 
I sense it could be more consistent. Uh, I, I probably could learn more of what this looks like, or, or I could see more productivity in my prayer life. I would say um, that's probably the majority, if not all of us. And the person who does think they're nailing it on prayer is probably delusional. Uh, maybe there's a few out there that are like, no, that's, this is all that I do. If that's you, you're a saint, you're amazing, keep praying, we love you. I want you to know if you feel inadequate, insufficient in your prayer life, you are not alone. I'll be the first to admit, if you ask me, like, I'll say, this is what it is, but there are certainly large parts of me, like, and I feel like it ought to be more. I feel like there should be more to this. So uh, I'm excited because I think this is something that all of us can relate to, and it is going to grow and challenge us. In any relationship that you hold, what maintains health in that relationship requires consistent communication. Uh, any relationship, but I think maybe the most easy to, to identify with or relate to would be in a romantic relationship, whether it's marriage or, or seriously dating or whatever it is. Um, what maintains a healthy relationship is consistent communication. It's not just like date nights and anniversary trips and vacations and some of the more glamorous moments that are like, this was so healthy for our marriage. We went to this a marriage conference. We went to this event. We had this special time together. Those can be amazing and helpful and highlights of a relationship, but without communication between those, it's not a healthy relationship. That if you just went from date night to date night without any communication in between, this would not make up a healthy relationship. That those elements are beautiful, but it is the consistent small check-ins. It's the text, it's the emoji, it's the memes, it's the, it's the quick hitters, how was your day? Hey, I'm struggling with this. Hey, we need to make a decision about this. It is the consistent, non-glamorous communication that maintains a healthy relationship. And then if you can have these more extensive glamorous moments, those are beautiful, but those moments alone are not what keep a relationship healthy. In fact, the, the number one problem in relationships, in marriages that end up being broken, is uh, when communication begins to have breakdowns. For whatever reasons, you don't feel safe, or uh, you, you just your heart's beginning to wander, or whatever it is, you, you don't like the response of the other person. When communication starts to break down, the relationship begins to break down. The communication and consistent communication is essential in a healthy relationship. I wanna tell you that we view God as a relational God, that it is relationship that we, we have with God. Uh, I don't think it's a stretch to even say that it's, it's romantic in, in ways that we have a relationship with God. We are called the bride of Christ, that there is this intimate, close relationship with God. And as in other, every other relationship, our relationship with God maintains health with consistent communication. Not occasional date nights and conferences and maybe showing up at church most weeks. This is not what provides a healthy relationship. It is the consistent communication that is the basis of health uh, for any relationship. Now, when you choose to have consistent relationship, sometimes uh, it's just a delight to check in with somebody. It's a delight to have conversations. You like talking with this person, uh, hopefully with your spouse. A lot of times, hopefully it's delight. You enjoy that. But if you've been in any relationship, you know that sometimes it's discipline to communicate. You choose, we need to talk about this. We need to set aside time to make this decision. Or I'm feeling this frustration, I'm feeling this distance, and we need to find time, and we're gonna be disciplined to communicate. Communication and healthy communication is both a discipline 
and a delight. And we are at our best when we just say yes to both. That this is enjoyable, I want to have this, but also I'm gonna recognize if it's not happening naturally or if there seems to be some distance here, we are going to choose to be disciplined to have this communication. I wanna tell you that, that prayer is so much the same way. And my hope is that through this series, uh, we have a delight, a joy, uh, uh, we want to engage in communication with the Lord, but on top of that, there also is elements where we choose to make it a discipline. We know the value, we know the importance, and so there will be discipline in, in, in our communication. Also in communication, you know that there is growth in skills of communication. The longer you're in relationship with someone and the more you care about them, the more you're going to learn how to communicate better with them. You're going to learn, I'm not going to say it that way next time because it didn't come back the way that I was hoping to. I wasn't heard well. We're going to pause when we need to take pauses. We're going to keep going when we need to keep going. Like you begin to learn how to communicate better with somebody. I'll tell you, when it comes to prayer, there, it is okay to say, yes, I have communication at some level, but it is actually honorable to say, and I would like to grow in those communication skills. Like God and my relationship with him is meaningful enough that where I'm at today isn't the communication skills I want to carry into the future. Just like any meaningful relationship, there is growth and development in choosing discipline as well as in the skills. I want to tell you, in its simplest form, Prayer is communicating with God. What is prayer? Prayer is communicating with God. It's talking to him. It's hearing from him, which that alone might spark some questions for you, but it is communication with God. It is not like a ritual. It's not something that you just memorize and say. Uh, it is not a formula. It's not a recipe to twist God's arm to do what you want. Uh, it is simply a, a, an ingredient for a healthy relationship with God. It, prayer could have easily been an ingredient in our ingredient series, but prayer doesn't start with the letters R-E, so it was just discarded, doesn't fit. They all got to start with R-E, so. Uh, but prayer is something that uh, we didn't want to just spend one week on. This is, if we're going to talk about a relationship of following Jesus, communication is essential. It's foundational. So we're going to spend uh, this entire summer looking at this ingredient. Uh, prayer. I don't know what your history is with prayer, but I just want to make it clear, prayer is, is more than meditation. Prayer is more than recitation. Prayer is more than an incantation. Prayer is more than requests. I think some people get disillusioned with prayer or just kind of get turned off to prayer because God's not answering. He didn't answer those prayers. This tragedy still happened. And because God didn't do what we wanted him to do, and that is our narrow focus of what prayer is, we, we get disillusioned with prayer. Uh, it leaves us wanting because we didn't get what we wanted out of it. Uh, my, my prayer and my hope is that through this series that your perspective on what prayer is would be broadened. Certainly, we're going to get to uh, give us today our daily bread. Requests are not to be absent from pr prayer. We can bring requests into prayer, but it is a small percentage of what our prayer life is supposed to look like, what communicating with God is supposed to look like. Just like any other relationship, if the only communication was requests and that's all the further it went, this is not going to be a healthy relationship. But a relationship that doesn't have room for asking and giving would also be unhealthy. So uh, 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 the prayers that we would expand beyond that this is, prayer is not just asking God for something and then saying, well, I'm distancing myself if I didn't get what I wanted. That's not prayer. And I think a lot of people have been disillusioned and hurt and distant from prayer because that is the only perspective that has been brought into prayer. Uh, I do wanna make this statement as well. Sometimes 
communication is scheduled. Anybody, like, we just got to find time when the kids go to bed tonight. We're going to take 15 minutes, and we're going to schedule this communication. Sometimes it does need to be scheduled. And sometimes your prayer, it works at a certain scheduled time in your day. But I want to say this, prayer is not just a scheduled time. That sometimes there is the discipline we're going to choose to do this, but sometimes it is the consistent check-in throughout the day. It is just this moment where an emotion hits you or a thought hits you or an idea hits you, and you don't wait for the next schedule time. You communicate it. You share. You're real about what's going on internally, what you're thinking, what you're feeling, what you're doing. Um, it's not just the schedule time. Like if I told you that in my relationship with my wife, with Danny, that uh, I came in, I was like bragging to you. I was like, I want you to know that faithfully, every day for years now, every morning, I've spent 10 minutes talking to her and hearing from her. We, we communicate for 10 minutes. And then every night before we go to bed, I check in for another five and we talk and I hear from her and I'm faithful to it. That's all that we ever do. That's the only communication we ever have. But I have not missed a day of 10 minutes in the morning, five minutes at night. Like I am the best husband. No one would think that's a healthy relationship. Like, okay, you're insane, uh, not okay. Red flags are going up everywhere if someone said that is our relationship. This doesn't make any sense, uh, that this is not what is, is health. Um, or imagine with me if like uh, I'm talking with Danny and I start like my stopwatch and I'm timing it. Like, oh man, two more minutes and I got a personal record and like we're just talking and I'm just like stretching out thoughts. I'm like, uh-huh, tell me more, tell me more, tell me more. And like, and I hit a time limit and I'm like, I did it, I, time's up, awesome, that was fun. I bolt and I'm like pumping myself up like I am such an amazing husband because I made it two more minutes longer than yesterday. No one would think that this is good. But how often we approach our relationship with God and we're timing it and like, I gotta go 15 more minutes. And we just like extend this thing to, to feel good about ourselves because of how much time we put into it. Or maybe let's take it to a whole nother level. No one would see it as a healthy relationship or view me as a good husband if I said, you know what? Every single Sunday morning, I go to this room and somebody else tells me about Danny for 45 minutes and I just love it. She's so cool. Oh, me? No, I don't talk to her. Like, no, we don't communicate. But somebody else does and they tell me everything that's going on and it's, this is insanity. But this is so many of what our prayer lives can look like. We schedule it, I'm faithful to these minutes or when I'm on this drive or we're gonna, we're gonna have this amount of time and I feel good about myself because I checked the box for today or because I went longer in my prayer time than I did previously or I heard somebody else on Sunday tell me about our, our God and, and I feel good about myself. Prayer is not any of that. Prayer is our consistent communication with God. I wanna tell you that communication is such a privilege where did we get off thinking that prayer, communicating with God, is a spiritual obligation? I, I have no problem using the word spiritual discipline, because in a lot of regards, it is a discipline. But we get to communicate with the creator of the universe, who loved you so much, he sent his son to die, to bring you forgiveness, to bring you life abundant and life eternal, and we get an audience with him. It is a privilege that we get to communicate. He could have come, saved us, redeemed us, and then put us in a closet and we never heard from him again and never had access to him and he would have been, a, he has every right to do that. But he didn't. He lets you and me in our brokenness, in our sinfulness, in our frail humanity to communicate with him, 
to tell him what's going on, what we think, what we feel, in our such limited, minute perspectives, he lets us tell him anyway. When he's the God of the universe, he already knows, he knows what he's doing, he knows what's beyond our perspective, and he lets us share what is real in our hearts today. And he speaks back. Like this is such an honor and a privilege. It, my, my hope and my prayer again is that we find delight in communicating with God, and we also choose discipline in our communication with him. Matthew chapter six, we're gonna look at the verses previous to the Lord's Prayer, starting in verse five. This is where he gives us two ways not to pray, and then we're gonna spend the rest of the summer on how to pray. Matthew six, verse five. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that is all the reward they will ever get. He says, when you pray, assuming we're gonna pray, don't just show up in public settings, uh, in synagogues, in the church, or on street corners where other people are watching, and put on a show that makes you look more spiritual than you actually are. He says, if you do that, the only benefit is that someone else will have a false opinion of you. It doesn't do anything beyond that. You look more spiritual than you are, but that's the only reward you will get. I think um, hypocrisy, maybe our most common definition for hypocrisy is like saying one thing and doing another. Uh, I wanna paint uh, maybe an expanded picture of hypocrisy. You go back even to the, the origins of, of hypocrisy. It is, it's putting on a mask. It's pretending to be something that you're not. And that's more of what he's relating to in this statement. He's not, he's not saying don't say one thing and do another. He says don't in a public setting, just the air conditioning, it'll cool down. He says in a public setting, don't put on a mask and pretend like you're more spiritual, that you have a prayer life that isn't true of who you really are in private. He says, don't, don't just, uh, when you're around other spiritual people, when you're at church, when you're in small groups, when there's someone you think that they would be impressed with you praying in this moment, don't just pray in those moments uh, when you don't have a genuine prayer life. He's, he says, uh, don't be a hypocrite, because that's the only reward you will get. I do want to make a clarifying statement to that, because I've heard people uh, kind of have this excuse, well, whether it's prayer or anything else, um, I don't really feel like doing it. I don't feel like praying, I don't feel like going to church, I don't feel like worshiping, like I'm just kind of not there right now. So if I were to do that, I, it would be hypocritical, because I don't really want to, I don't feel like it, so if I did it anyway, uh, it, it wouldn't be true, it wouldn't be real. I wanna tell you um, that choosing to do what is right, even when you don't feel like it, is not hypocrisy. It's discipline, it's integrity, it's obedience to what God has called you to do. It's only hypocrisy when you're putting on a show hoping someone thinks better of you than you truly are. It is obedience and integrity and discipline to say, I don't feel like what is doing right in this moment, but I'm gonna choose to do it anyway, and it doesn't matter what anyone else thinks of me. I'm gonna obey my God. I'm gonna invest in this relationship. I'm gonna communicate. We're going to have health in my communication with the Lord, so I'm gonna choose to be faithful even when I don't feel like it. It's a cop-out to say, well, it'd be hypocritical if I did it anyway. No, it is faithfulness to say, this relationship matters enough that I'm gonna do what is healthy for it, even when it doesn't feel like it right now. This would never produce a healthy marriage if you only did what was right for that marriage when you felt like doing it. Faithfulness, commitment, vows before the Lord at your wedding ceremony says, even when it doesn't feel ideal, I'm committed to do what is healthy in this relationship. 
It's not hypocrisy unless you're trying to convince someone else that you're better than what you truly are. So he continues in verse six by saying, but when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you and pray to your father in private. Then your father who sees everything will reward you. Saying like, hey, make sure you've got a private prayer life and not just a public prayer life. Like, how ridiculous would it be? Again, we'll keep going back to relational conversations. How ridiculous would it be if I only talk to my wife when I notice there's other people around who might see this and think I'm a good husband, so that's the only time I'll talk to her? It's insanity. That means nothing if when we have times of private communication, I don't take advantage of them. It's private first, having a genuine relationship, and then in public settings, it doesn't mean that I can't talk to her in public. It means it doesn't mean anything if there isn't already a private relationship and communication with her. What, what I want to make clear here is um, this isn't saying that there is no place for public prayer. Um, in fact, when we jump into the Lord's Prayer, the first word is our Father, that there is a corporate setting to prayer. We're going to talk about the corporate setting of prayer. So Jesus isn't saying you're not allowed to pray if anyone's watching, if anyone can hear you. He is a fan of praying together, of laying hands on each other. And we're a church that believes in corporate prayer. We've got a prayer team every week that is ready to pray for you. We have pre-service prayer every single week at 9.30 right here where we pray throughout the day. We've got prayer and worship nights. We believe in prayer and corporate prayer, but not before we have a private prayer life. And if anyone is showing up to these, these events, or if we got people who are joining the prayer team just to look more spiritual to everyone else, we have a problem. But if we have people who have healthy relationships, healthy communication with the Lord on a day-to-day -day basis, and then we can put them in a place where they know how to pray, and they know how to, to intercede, and they are gifted in these ways, we will be a church that prays with and for each other, but that is not gonna be the definition of our prayer life, that it is to be private and personal first, and then we find room of what does this look like in corporate settings. Essentially what's being said is you do not pray to impress anyone. You pray because God sees and he's, he hears, and God sees what is done in secret and rewards it. Like that is the beauty of a relationship. When you know the health, and you know the, the inside jokes, and you have those moments where something happens, you can just like look at each other and you know what each other's thinking because you've had private relationship, because you have history, because you have experience, it makes it so beautiful. Where then in public settings, it's not about showing out that you've got something special. It's like you know this relationship's health. We, and this is what we're called to be with the Lord. I again want to hit on the thought that the God of the universe is present when we pray. That he sees and he rewards even when no one else is around. I would say that um, like anything else, our prayer is impacted by our recognition that God is present. That our prayer is impacted by our recognition that the God of the universe is present. I think one of the most difficult aspects of prayer, at least for me, is remembering what prayer is. That we forget that we're actually communicating with the creator of the universe and he's attentive. He's there. He's aware, he is listening, he's ready to respond. I think prayer can be so dull and boring because we forget what it is. We forget that we're talking to God, that there is actually someone present. Too often prayer just becomes this religious ritual where I'm just like venting whatever to whatever open space and we forget what prayer is. The presence of God is here. 
and he is sitting down ready to hear from me. This is what prayer is. And when we recognize the presence of God, even in the secret place, it impacts the way that we behave. We as humans, we behave differently when somebody is watching. We can't help it. If you are performing in any certain way, whether it's at your job or you're running a race, like if somebody is watching in those moments, you work a little bit harder, you run a little bit faster uh, because someone is close by. It is in our nature that we recognize the presence of someone watching or listening, we behave differently. Um, anybody have a ring doorbell? Like these are just the greatest inventions because you get to see and hear people that don't know you see and hear people. Uh, I don't have one, but I love watching the videos, whether it's like uh, someone slipping on the stairs and we all laugh at it, or you could see like delivery drivers doing something cool or doing something bad. Like you get to see into people who are behaving in a way where they don't know that somebody's watching. Um, my parents have a, a property that they just Airbnb, they rent out. And so people, different people are always renting it in and out and uh, they have a ring doorbell. And so they get a little notification on their phone whenever someone's near the front door. Uh, and so they can, they can see what's going on. And they just sent a, our family group text, a video this last week that we have watched a multitude of times of a guest at their property uh, going out on the, the front porch not knowing that there's a ring doorbell, apparently, goes out on the front porch and uh, releases an excessive amount of gas, <laughs> followed by a deep sigh. <sighs> and my mom clips it and sends it to us, and we're just watching over and over, just dying at this person who does not know that someone is present and watching and sending it to their family group text. I would believe he would have operated, functioned a little bit differently if he was aware of someone's presence. Because it is in our humanity that when we don't acknowledge the presence of another, we function differently. And I think this is the greatest problem in our prayer life is lacking the recognition of that God is actually present and he is hearing. And when we can just have that baseline of I'm gonna take this moment in prayer and I recognize that God sees, God hears. It's going to transform the way that you pray with that fact alone, that he's here. What does it look like for us when we begin to pray? We're like, Jesus, thank you for the privilege that it is to communicate. Father, thank you that you are present. And before I say another word, I just wanna recognize you're here and you're listening. It will transform our prayer lives when we know he sees what is done in secret and he rewards and answers as he chooses. Verse seven, we get the second how not to pray. It says, when you pray, don't babble on and on as people of other religions do. They think that their prayers will be answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them. For your father knows exactly what you need even before you ask him. He says, when you pray, don't just babble on and on and on thinking that how long you pray is going to impress God. He's saying, don't stretch a prayer that you can get out in 30 seconds into five minutes just to make yourself feel better. Like God's not timing it. He's like, no, just say it. Don't babble on and on thinking you're better because you made it so many more minutes when you could have just been authentic before the Lord and just said it. He says, don't babble on and on. He's not counting to see if you make it to a magic number of repetition. I love that it says that too. Don't just repeat the words over and over again. As if God's up there counting how many times we say the Lord's Prayer. 
He's like, oh, you quit. You were two away from getting me to answer you. Like, he's not counting how many times we say it as his basis of how he's going to respond to us. He says, don't repeat yourself over and over, thinking that if you say it enough times, it's going to change God's heart towards your prayer. What's interesting is this is how Jesus is setting up the Lord's Prayer. He's about to tell us in the next verse, this is how you should pray. Pray like this. And the sentence just before, he says, and don't repeat this over and over again, thinking that God will answer because of how many times you've said it. And yet, so many have done exactly that with this prayer. We've taken the Lord's Prayer, memorize it, recite it. How many times can we recite it? And in different communities of faith, it's all about we need to say it this many times. And, and we, like, we, we gauge how our spirituality is, our prayer life is based on how many times we can repeat a prayer. And Jesus has just said, hey, 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 before I teach you this prayer, I want you to not just ramble on and on and don't just repeat it over and over thinking that's gonna be impressive. And yet there's something in us that says, I would like to be able to rank myself evaluate myself based on how many times I can repeat a prayer. I want to make another clarifying statement that persistent prayer is different than ritual repetition prayer because we are called to be persistent in prayers. Jesus says, keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. We're told in scripture to pray without ceasing. So it's not like a lazy, just say it once and hopefully you never have to pray again. No, it's saying be persistent in prayer but God is not evaluating your prayer life or his answers to your prayer life based on how long you pray or how many times you can repeat a prayer. But be persistent. Be, have a consistent communication life with the Father. So our goal in this series is not to memorize these words of the Lord's Prayer and pray them as much as we can. But our goal is to develop a heart of, communication, a heart of communicating with the Father the way that Jesus lived and the way that Jesus taught. Maybe another way to say it is there is a difference between reciting the Lord's Prayer and praying through the Lord's Prayer. What we're going to learn to do is what is the guide that Jesus is presenting for us? If he says, pray like this, but he also says, and don't just repeat this prayer over and over, what he is saying is like, here's like a really healthy template of the various things that you should communicate with God about. It's like coming into this relationship, don't just have a relationship with a spouse and the only thing you do is ask them to give you something. In fact, here's some beautiful categories of conversation that will be healthy for your relationship. This is what Jesus is displaying. He's saying, don't just repeat this over and over and over, thinking it will be impressive to God that you said it so many times in a single day. But let me display for you what healthy communication with the Father will include. So we are going to not be repetitive in these words, but let this be a guide that we can pray through to have healthy relationship with the Lord. And his next words in verse nine are pray like this, which will be the title. It gives us this beautiful outline. And I love that um, Jesus doesn't say pray like this and then give us how many times a day, how many minutes a day. He doesn't talk about posture. Are we supposed to be on our knees, hands folded, eyes closed? Does it work that way? If my eyes are open, like he doesn't talk about any of this. He doesn't talk about how you should feel when you pray. And he doesn't give us this extensive prayer. He gives us this beautiful template. And I, it just brings me such relief because to me, you just read the Lord's Prayer and as beautiful as it is, and there's some incredible imagery, we're gonna spend all summer digging into it. I just love that by definition of how simple it is that God is not looking to be impressed by prayer. 
Like, he just wants us to talk about these various aspects of life and, and deal with forgiveness and deal with our needs and, and deal with his glory and his honor and his will and his desires, not just our own desires. Like, he wants us to be in this type of relationship. And I just love that this brings such a relief that God is not timing my prayers and he's not developing an opinion of me and my faithfulness to him based on how many minutes I'm able to stretch my prayer life into He's not ranking us amongst ourselves based on who prayed the most minutes. And he's got his spiritual favorites based on that. It's not how he works. I love that um, in my relationship, again, with Danny, that she isn't timing our conversations and developing her opinion of my faithfulness to our marriage based on how many minutes I can stretch a conversation into. In fact, it's quite the opposite. <laughs> like, let's get to the point, buddy. <laughs> Because a close relationship affords and celebrates that I can just get to the heart of the issue here. I don't have to elaborate. I don't have to like build all these fences. I don't have to like say, just, just so you understand. Like you can just say it. That God is more interested in the health of your relationship, being able to come to him in prayer and just say like, this is what it is, Lord. This is where I'm at. This is what I'm looking at. This is what I'm deciding. This is what I'm feeling. This is what I'm, God, would you speak into this? Like he's just... The beauty of a relationship with him is he is not looking for an impressive prayer. He's looking, do we know each other well enough? Do we communicate consistently enough that you can just give me that one sentence quick hitter? Can we just get to the point? This is the beauty of prayer. I'm going to ask the band if they'll join me. And as we conclude, I want to look at um, Luke 11, verse 1. I alluded to this earlier. This is the second time that Jesus teaches on the Lord's Prayer. Again, in Matthew chapter 6, it's during the Sermon on the Mount. This is one moment of an extensive sermon where he chooses to teach, teach on prayer. And then on another time, he's asked about prayer specifically. And so he brings back up this teaching on prayer and introduces the Lord's Prayer. But uh, we're going to read Luke 11, verse 1. And it simply says this. Once Jesus was in a certain place praying. As he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray. And his response to that request is he gives them the Lord's Prayer. The request prior to the Lord's Prayer is teach us to pray. This was uh, his disciple who had grown up with prayer, who'd grown up with the synagogue, who'd grown up with repetition. And he sees Jesus' prayer life. He observes the way that you're praying isn't the rituals that I was raised with. And he notices there's power. He notices there's beauty. He's attracted to it. He's not like, whoa, all that guy does is pray. I don't know how I'm going to do that. He's like, I can do what he's doing. And there's attractiveness to the way that Jesus prays. So after watching, and I, we don't know how long Jesus prays, but he observes this prayer of Jesus. Jesus wraps it up and he says, Lord, teach us that. Teach us to pray. How do we develop a heart to communicate consistently and beautifully the way that you do? This is um, the desire and the beginning points of this series. Lord, teach us to pray. That this would be our posture today as uh, I'm really excited to dig in and teach through this whole prayer that before we even start learning the intellectual side of what is the Lord's Prayer, that we wouldn't enter it with this intellectual mindset, like I just wanna understand what it is, but we would enter it with a mindset, a 
Lord, our hearts are in a posture where we just want to learn to pray. This requires an honest evaluation of ourselves. If we're asking, Lord, teach me to do something, it's a recognition that I'm, I need help. I'm not proficient. I'm not where I'm supposed to be in this. I think this is really important for us as a church to initially acknowledge that we need some development in prayer. And our, where we go with that is a request to Lord, would you, would you teach us to pray? I, uh, I don't think that prayer is absent from our church. We just certainly have lots of avenues for prayer. And, um, but I was just thinking for a long time about this prayer series and why would we spend so much time on prayer? And you find first in uh, Isaiah 56, Old Testament, you hear that the church is called a, a house of prayer. It's defined as a house of prayer. Jesus, he, he repeats this in Mark chapter 11 as he's like cleansing the temple. He's cleaning the church. He's flipping tables. And he makes a statement. He says, my house is supposed to be a house of prayer. Not that nothing else can ever happen there, but like a defining label for my house is that it's a, it's a place of prayer. And a dilemma that uh, I face when I read that is, does prayer define Anchor Church? It doesn't have to be the only thing, but does prayer define our church? And I know that we have prayer and worship are a, a written value for us. If you look anywhere that our values are posted, prayer and worship, he is worthy. And it is a written value, but uh, I'm hesitant to say that it's a lived value something that we want to be. We aspire to be a people that is devoted to prayer, that recognize the worthiness of our God, so we're people who pray. And again, it's not absent from our church, um, but certainly a place that I see is, is growth and development. And it might be more fun to take the summer to just hit some fun stuff, be lighthearted, but um, it's supposed to be a house of prayer. I just think we got some room to grow. I just want to say I'm so proud of you as a church. We're a year and a half old, and you've been so incredible at being responsive, to being stretched, to, to growing, to being challenged, that you are a church that responds to what we're talking about. Like every series is like, that was so incredible because we didn't just teach something, like we became something, like we're growing. I want to tell you that's the intention, again, as we go into this prayer series, that this, we're not the same church at the end of summer because we've learned to pray, that we are healthy in our communication with the Lord. Lord, would you teach us to pray? That that would be our primary request. Not that we would get a building. I love that this disciple's not like, hey, teach me to walk on water or like turn the water into wine or like, he's like, I just, there's, there's something behind all of this that's it's your relationship with the Father. There's power there. So there's a lot of things we could ask for and hope to become and grow and change this summer, but what's really burning in my heart is that we just say, Lord, teach us to pray. What could happen? We're, we're building a church that outlasts us. We're building a church for the future, not just for today's comfort. And who cares what cool things we can do if like, we're not a people who know the Lord? It's not gonna last if we're not people who communicate and grow in our communication skills. Like, it's worth taking the time, taking three months to say, Lord, we, we need to learn to pray. And that's the goal this summer. If you're willing and able, would you stand with me?
The band's gonna lead us in music for just a couple of minutes before we dismiss as a chance for you to just personally respond in this moment. But um, I wanna say first, if you're here today and you're not a follower of Jesus, you don't consider yourself a Christian, step one is having a relationship with the Lord. It's tough to grow in communication if you don't even have a relationship. Maybe today is an introduction of like, I don't know, maybe you got a lot of questions or you're not sure what all this means, but maybe today the, the Holy Spirit is here and he's working in your heart and it's like, I'd like to start a relationship with the Lord today. It'd be amazing, it's step one. And then you learn to communicate. You don't just learn it from day one. We are all on a journey of learning how to grow in relationship with the Lord. Secondly, maybe you're here today and you are a follower of Jesus. And maybe your honest response would be as I outlined, which is probably the majority of us, Lord, I, I don't pray as I should. I, I believe there's got to be more. I'm not real sure about my prayer life or proud of my prayer life. Like I, I, I recognize there's deficiencies. I again will tell you, I'm the first to raise my hand and say, I, I wanna grow in this. Doesn't mean that it's non-existent, but Lord, would you teach me to pray? I just wanna pray over us as a church. Whether today you're saying, I'd like to begin a relationship with Jesus, or today you're saying, Lord, teach me to pray. Um, I'm just gonna pray that this summer is transformative for our lives and for our church. Would you just pray with me? If you're comfortable, would you just put your hands in front of you as like a posture of receiving? Say, Lord, right now, we just wanna receive from you. And our request is, would you teach us to pray? I know there's a lot of maybe different histories and backgrounds of what prayer means, a lot of maybe different personal experiences with prayer answered or unanswered or repetition, or there could be a lot of differences. But Lord, we just ask right now, whatever that is, this summer, would you teach us to pray as you desire, your heart, what you outlined, would you teach us to pray? Lord, we pray for those who today are just being introduced to a relationship with you. I pray that this summer would be transformative, that as they get to know you, they learn to communicate, to hear from you, to, to speak to you. Lord, I just pray this would be, uh, there'd be so much growth in the first three months of them following you because they're learning from day one how to pray. Lord, I do ask that this church would be transformed and healthier and more sustainable not because we listened to some messages, but because you taught us to pray. And we were open and stretched and flexible. And you changed us and you challenged us. Lord, teach us to pray.